Hello, I'm Quinn. And I'm Alex. And we're A a Couple couple of of Characters. characters. We discuss topics related to creating characters for role-playing games. This is part three of a four-part series of episodes about the basics of D&D 5e. In parts one and two, we gave an overview of RPGs and the basics of D&D 5e, including combat. In this part, we'll go into the basics of spellcasting. All right. We took a short rest. We're back. We're full up on hit points again. We're ready to move on into spellcasting. So, magic is a really big part of D&D and often appears in the form of spells. The classes learn and prepare their spells in different ways, and there are two main sources of magic in D&D, arcane and divine. Arcane magic is gained through rigorous study, like what wizards do, or just can be randomly bestowed upon you like a sorcerer. And divine magic comes from the gods and goddesses, and it's how clerics and paladins get their magic. As well as rangers and druids. That is true. Um, Spells can also have various effects, such as damaging an enemy, protecting you and your allies from harm, or restoring life to the dead. So there are nine levels of spells. There's first level spells all the way up to ninth level spells, as well as cantrips, which are also sometimes called zero level spells. And for each spell that is not a cantrip, so the leveled spells, you get what are called spell slots. And you'll get um, a different number depending on what level you are. And the level of spells you can cast do not directly correlate to your character's level. For example, you won't get level 9 spells until you're a level 17 caster. Right. And what does a level of a spell even mean? So the first level spells will be kind of um, less, I don't want to say less effective, but they'll be like smaller effects. Powerful is the word you're looking for. uh, Yes, so less powerful effects, uh, whereas ninth level spells, like you can do things like true polymorph and turn a person into a chair and they're just a chair now. Yep, until they are either someone wishes them back or they're true polymorphed again. Yeah, whereas first level spells is like, I can make this note look like it says something else, or I can make myself look like a different person. Right, and spell slots, like, you can only cast a certain number of spells before resting, because casting a spell, like, it takes some work to do it. So a lower level spell doesn't require as much energy, so you can cast more of those in a day, as opposed to a ninth level spell, which takes a lot of oomph out of you and you can only do that once a day once you get to the point where you have a ninth level spell slot yep when you cast a spell you can expend a slot of that level or higher so for example i can use a seventh level slot to cast a first level spell but a first level spell slot can only be used to cast a first level spell yeah so if you think about those toys that kids have where like there's a square and a a star and you gotta put the right order you got to put the right shape in the right place, right? The first level spell can fit into any of the other spells slots. And then once you get higher, like a second level spell can only go in two through nine. It can't go in the first level slot. Right. It's kind of like uh, if shape sorter isn't necessarily the best thing because like those are different shapes. How about like they have like different diameters, yeah, but then it's getting into math, and a lot of people don't love math like I love math. <laughs> it's like um, a Russian nesting doll. 
That's a better analogy. There you go. So the first level spells can be fit into every other Russian nesting doll. It's the smallest one. But then as you get into higher spell slots, they can't fit into the bigger spell slots. Right. So oh, I sorry, can't, the small I can't spell fit slots. a ninth level slot into the itty bitty little ninth first level, level guy. Yeah. Ninth that's level what... spell. Yeah. Into... Yeah. That's what I meant. I can't fit the anyway. ninth level spell into the itty bitty first spot. Yeah. Yeah, so we got Russian nesting dolls, we got shape, sorters, and we have uh, geometry. Take your pick. <laughs> All right, so you mentioned cantrips. Oh, yeah. So a cantrip is like a, uh, it's a spell that you don't have to think about very hard. You've practiced it a lot, so you can do it kind of at will. And so you can do this an unlimited number of times per day. Right. I mean, the only limit is how much time in a day there is. Sure, I mean, I assume you don't want to do it continuously all day, but you certainly could. That's well, my yes. day Well, I mean, to cast anything takes a certain amount of time, which yeah. we're going to talk about. Yep. It's even smaller than a first level spell, and it will usually be like a pretty short duration, but it just does a small effect. It can either do an attack on something, or it could do like a little show of sparks or something. Right, and these don't require spell slots. Right. And to regain any expended spell slots you've used, you have to take a long rest. Unless, of course, you're a warlock, and then you get them back after a short rest. Yep. And also, if you cast a spell slot that is of a higher level than the spells level, it usually gives you extra benefits, and this is called upcasting. So, for spells that deal damage, that might mean rolling extra damage dice on a hit or hitting an additional target... And for healing spells, this often means rolling extra dice to increase the amount of regained HP. Now, we're going to talk about schools of magic. Okay, so there are eight normal schools of magic in the player's handbook, and these are um, basically just kind of breaking down the magic into the different types that they can do. So the eight schools are abjuration, conjuration, divination, enchantment, illusion, Evocation, which I missed alphabetically, necromancy, and transmutation. Yes. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about them, Quinn? Sure. So abjuration is about protecting. It can create magical barriers, bestow damage resistances, or banish a creature to another plane of existence. Conjuration transports objects and creatures from one location to another. It can summon creatures or objects or even allow the caster to teleport to another location. Divination spells reveal information. They can allow you to see into the future, locate hidden things, or see past illusions. Enchantment affects the minds of others, so it can make enemies regard you as a friend or force creatures to take a specific course of action. Evocation spells create specific effects, like creating blasts of fire or healing wounds. Illusion spells deceive the senses or minds of others. They can cause people to see things that aren't there or ignore things that are there. Necromancy manipulates the energies of life and death. It can grant extra reserves of life force, drain the life energy from another creature, create undead creatures, or even bring the dead back to life. And transmutation changes the properties of a creature, object, or the environment. It can turn an enemy into a harmless creature, or it can boost the abilities of an ally. And then there are also two extra little schools that were introduced in the Explorer's Guide to Wildmount in which they added chronergy, which is kind of a manipulation of time and space. 
and graviturgy, which is a manipulation of gravity, such as pulling things together or pushing them apart. Magic is complex, and there are a lot of rules regarding spellcasting, so in this next section, we'll cover those rules. So the first thing that you need to know is which spells that you know and have prepared each day. So there are known spells, and these will be for certain classes like bards and sorcerers, just which spells that you have ready um, at all times. And then for other classes there are prepared spells, so like wizards and druids, you have access to a larger pool of spells and you prepare a certain amount each day depending on that class. Right. Because casting spells requires focus and precise gestures, you must be proficient with the armor you're wearing in order to cast a spell. Otherwise, you're too distracted for spell casting, which is why a wizard is probably never going to wear armor. Ah, so sad. Well, this is why they're often called glass cannons. Big damage, very fragile. Yep. All spells also have a casting time, and casting a spell usually takes an action to cast, but some spells require a bonus action, a reaction, or even longer spans of time to cast. If you use a bonus action to cast a spell, the only other spell you can cast that turn is a cantrip that uses an action to cast. Some spells have a tag on them called a ritual, and what a ritual lets you do is cast the spell without expending a spell slot, but it will take an extra 10 minutes to cast, so you add on 10 minutes to the casting time. Only certain classes get the ability to do rituals, such as wizards, and they will have what's called ritual casting as a feature, but other classes like sorcerers can't do rituals, even though they have access to some spells that might be rituals. Exactly. All spells have a range, which tells you the farthest area you can target with the spell. Spells like Magic Missile target a creature within range, whereas for Fireball, the target is a point in space where the fire erupts. This range is usually listed in feet, and some spells can only affect a creature you touch, including yourself, like Cure Wounds. Some spells also only affect you and have a range listed as self. For example, Shield is only self, so that's the one that is the reaction to boost your AC. It goes up and it just protects you. Sometimes the spell that you're casting creates an area of effect or AOE, such as a line, cone, or even a sphere. And sometimes these have a range of self as well, which just means that the AOE starts from you. Spells also all have components, and the three types of components they can have are verbal, somatic, and material. So a verbal component would be speaking the words of the spell, like some sort of magic words. Somatic would be body gestures and hand motions that you make while casting the spell. And material components will be listed next to the spell. And you would need those components to cast the spell unless you're using a focus such as an arcane focus or druidic focus to replace the material component. The material components of things that cost money can't be replaced with these focuses though. Right. And sometimes they're consumed so you have to have... Like, if you're going to cast that spell multiple times, you have to have those consumed material components. Right. A lot of the spells that will consume material components are big magic things like bringing someone back to life. Yes. Every spell has a duration or the length of time that its effect lasts. This can be given in rounds, minutes, hours, or even years. A common duration for healing or damaging spells is instantaneous. And another thing that spells might have in their duration is concentration. So what concentration means is that you can hold on to that spell as long as you are concentrating for the duration. 
So you can only concentrate on one spell at a time because it takes mental focus and awareness of your, you know, kind of the spell and everything to keep focus on it. And so if you break concentration, you would do that by trying to cast another concentration spell or maybe taking damage. But you can do normal things like move around and hit someone with a dagger while concentrating. Right. You will also lose concentration if you fall unconscious or if you die. Surprisingly. I, for one, am surprised. Some spells require targets to make a saving throw to see if the target can avoid some or all of the spell's effects. The DC, or difficulty class, is determined by your spellcasting ability modifier, your proficiency bonus, and any other special modifiers you have, such as from a magic item. Yeah, so that just means some things will say the target makes a wisdom saving throw, and then that would be against your spell save DC, and if they failed, they would suffer the effects, and if they succeeded the pass, they might suffer some effects, but not as much. Right. And then, some spells require the caster to make an attack roll to determine if the spell hits the intended target. These spells often involve ranged attacks, and your attack bonus is determined by your spellcasting ability modifier and your proficiency bonus. And I think that's pretty much it about spells. Yeah, sounds good. That concludes part three of our four-part series about the basics of D&D 5e. In part four, we'll discuss our personal favorite, character creation. You can find more information about our show at a acoupleofcharacterspodcast.com. Have ideas or feedback, or need help creating your next character? Email us at a couple of characters pod at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ACOC Podcast. We'd like to thank John Began for composing our theme music. If you like what we're doing, please rate and review us on iTunes. Yeah, give us a five-star review on iTunes. That will really help our show out. You can also tell a friend about our show. Yes. Another way to support us is by becoming a Patreon donor. Just search ACOC Podcast. You can also support us at bookshop.org slash shop slash ACOC podcast. And any books that you purchase through our affiliate link will give us 10% of the proceeds as well as giving 10% to a local bookstore of your choice. You can follow me on Twitter at Alex and Winterland. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at not a Dr. Quinn. Thanks for listening. Keep on rolling. I got it, I got it, I got it. Third time's a charm, or fourth. (laughs) I'm just laughing. Mm -hmm. Cut it all. Cut it all, Quinn. Are you happy now? I am happy now. (laughs) Crushed it. Great job. We're good. Keep going. All right. We're pushing on.